Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. So glad you guys are in church today. Um, thank you for having me. I love Vintage Church. Love it. Love Texas. Uh, my name is Michael Burris. I am married to Sorry Husbands, the most amazing woman in the world. Um, her name's Cassie. Uh, we, on December 14th, we celebrated. Uh, there she is. She's beautiful. She makes me look great. December 14th, we celebrated eight years of marriage. Thank you putting up with me, that, that's worthy of some applause. And uh, she, unfortunately, she couldn't make this trip with me. She's holding down the fort back home. But uh, she loves you guys. We love Vintage Church. She can't wait uh, till she can come make a trip with me as well. We pastor a church in uh, Irvine, Kentucky called Summit View Church. Um, it is spelled Irvine, uh, but it's pronounced Irvine because Kentucky, okay? <laughs> Don't judge me. Uh, but um, it is a little town in Appalachian Mountains. About 2,300 people is all we got. And it's about 30 miles southeast of Lexington. If you know where Lexington is, we're a little east of that. Somebody come home, somebody. Okay. We launched our church in uh, October of 2021. And uh, you guys don't know this, but you have had a big part to play in our church being successful um, when we felt the first call to launch the church. Pastor Stephen was actually one of my first, very first phone calls that I made. And, uh, and I just want to say through your generosity, you, uh, Vintage Church was able to bless us with a significant financial um, contribution that helped us launch well and, and remain strong today. And let me just brag on God and honor you guys at the same time um, because because of your generosity, uh, we, we're just over a year old and we've seen over 100 people in the town of 2300 come to Christ and their eternities changed. And so that's on you guys. You get to stand before Jesus one day and say, I helped with that. I put, it on, put that one on my card, Jesus. Okay, okay. But, uh, and, and, and before I do anything else, I want to stand up here also and and. He's not in the room, but I just want to honor your pastor today, Pastor Stephen and Kyla. That's what I'm talking about. They are amazing. Um, we, we've known each other for a few years, and I, I would say there's no one right now in my life that is closer to my life than, than him and Kyla, and, uh, and he still chooses to walk with us, which is incredible, and he pastors us well, and he coaches us along. So can we just take a moment and honor your pastor this morning? Uh, he, you know, Pastor Stephen made his mission a couple of years ago to make Texas our second favorite state. And I gotta say, he did it. We love Texas. We love our vintage church spiritual family. And I'm so excited to be able to bring this word to you today. Um, whether you're in the room right now or you're gonna be watching this online later, I do believe that God has something that he wants to speak directly to you today. If you'll just lean in and turn your ear toward him, I think that you're gonna find something that God is gonna speak to you. So uh, this morning, if you would, turn, flip, swipe, whatever you need to do uh, to the book of Numbers chapter 13. That's where we're gonna hang out today. Uh, before we read, let me just set some context of where we're at right now in Numbers chapter 13. The people of Israel, they had just been uh, freed from 
the bondage of slavery to the Egyptians. God had just chosen a man named Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, out of bondage. And God had promised them that they were gonna go into a land and it was gonna be a blessed land, it was gonna be a great land and, and they were gonna possess it. And at the time, the place was called Canaan, but, it, but the Israelites knew it as the promised land. And God said it was gonna be flowing with milk and honey, it was gonna be uh, fertile, it was gonna be easy to uh, produce crops, it was gonna be easy to work the land, and, uh, and they made the journey from Egypt. They, they've journeyed across the, the desert here. They made the journey from Egypt, and they arrived right outside of the promised land, and before they go in and they start claiming the land for themselves and possessing it, they decided they wanted to send in a search party. They wanted to send some spies into the land to see what all was, was really going on in there and, and kind of test the waters before they just charged in. And they sent the spies in for 40 days and then they came back to give their report. And that's where we're picking up today in Numbers chapter 13. So if you're there, say amen. Amen. Let's begin reading in verse number 21. It says, So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Ken as far as Rehob toward Lebo Hamath. Bless me. <clears throat> and then they went up through Negev and came through uh, Hebron where Ahiman, Sheshach, you can read those names yourself, and the descendants of Anak lived. Uh, Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And when they re reached the valley of Eshcol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them because, uh, or along with some pomegranates and figs. And that place was called the valley of Eshcol because the cluster of grapes the Israelites had cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There, they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Cellulites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. And then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. So when I was in elementary school, can I tell you a little story real fast? When I was in elementary school, I, uh, I was cool, okay? Not really at all. I had, a, I had a comb over, much like I do today, except it was not as cool. It was not as cool as I am today. But um, just pity me, okay? Pity laughs. It's cool. Um, but instead of the texturizing putty that I put in it today to kind of hold it in place, I used to use hairspray, 
He used to use this hairspray. And so one morning before school, I, was, I woke up late. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. And, and I rolled out of bed and I went into the bathroom to start getting ready. And I was brushing my teeth, washing my face. Uh, I, went to, I combed my hair over and I went to grab the hairspray and, and uh, just you know, cover my head. I just wanted to make sure every hair was in place because I had to have the right hair to go with that button-down dragon shirt that I was putting on, you know, in the Majinko jeans, anybody? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, baby. You're lucky I didn't wear that today. Uh, but I had to get every hair in place, and so I grabbed the hairspray, and I started spraying all over, and, and something was a little different. Something was a little off. I, it was just... It smelled a whole lot different than normal. Uh, yeah. You know that hairspray smelled like kind of the sweet kind of smell? It was not that, okay? And uh, I picked up the hairspray, and I looked at the label, and much to my dismay, I had not sprayed in my hair rave hairspray. I had sprayed raid bug killer. Yeah. It was terrible. I... I'm still sour at the person who decided they're going to put the Raid, hair, Raid bug killer right beside the Rave hairspray and think that's a good idea. I don't know, uh, but you know, at least my hair didn't fall out and I've never had lice again. So, <laughs> but you know, it is really important how you see something. It's important the perspective that, that you're able to frame your focus with. The, the way that you see something really does determine a significant portion of, of how your life is going to be and the outcome of your decisions. And I, I, I am convinced, uh, Pastor Stephen, we, we spent a, a few days together uh, this week and, and, and he has this idea of, uh, of think, see, do. The way that you think really determines what you see, and the way that you see will determine how you live. Um, but seeing something the right way is so important, and I'm convinced that most people, if they would view their lives from the proper perspective, most of their problems would essentially fade away. Most of their um, obstacles would shrink in significance, and most of their enemies would be rendered powerless. I, I really think that, that half of your battle in life is found in how you focus, how you see things. And this is not an original idea. It's actually found in Colossians chapter 2, says, set your mind on things above. Set your sights on the things that are not earthly, but that are above. And see, in this passage that we read earlier, these spies went into the land knowing that God had promised them a couple things. They knew that God had promised them that the land was going to be blessed, it was going to be fertile, it was going to be easy to work, and they knew that God had promised it to them. There was no wavering, there was, there was, no, there was nothing in his voice that would have uh, caused any doubt. So they go in, they spy out the land, they even grab a cluster of grapes so large that it takes two grown men to carry it on their backs on a pole. And they carry it back, and, and then they give this report. They say, yeah, the land is exactly how God said it was going to be. It's flowing with milk and honey, all that good stuff, and it's great, but, but there's giants in the land, and there's obstacles, and there's no way that we can overcome them and, and, and take the land from them. And they said this, they said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in theirs. So I should probably abort mission. 
title of the message today is Grapes, Grasshoppers, and Giants. And I think that we can learn a lot from the report that they, they brought back. Um, and not just because, uh, not just for, for that individual circumstance, but I believe that the report that they brought back can help us frame our perspectives properly in the future. And so there's, there's really three potential areas of focus. Whenever you're approaching life, whenever you're facing your future, you have three potential areas of focus. And I'm going to use this passage to kind of illustrate that. First, facing your future, you could, you could focus on the grasshoppers, you could focus on the grasshoppers. The, the, the people said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. You could focus on yourself. You could focus on your own inadequacies. We all have them. We all have the things that we know about ourselves that we don't like. We all have the things that we know about ourselves that we don't think anybody should know. And, and let me pause for a second and, and say, if you don't have anybody in your life that knows everything about your life, you need to. You need to have one person, at least, that knows everything. That you can tell, like, 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 there should be somebody in your life that knows enough about you that you could probably go to jail if they let it leak, okay? But it can't be everybody, okay? It can't be everybody. Talk about them 95 mailboxes you smashed two summers ago. But there are things that we like, there's things we're, or dislike, there's things we're insecure about that'll keep us from stepping into our future if we continue to focus on it. Insecurities and inadequacies will, will steal your destiny if they're the object of your focus. They'll completely steal it. And, and anytime, anytime, not, not just inadequacies, but anytime that we're the object of our own focus, you're doomed to fail. Anytime. And I'm not just talking about inadequacies. I'm also talking about pride. I'm talking about when you don't think you're enough and when you do think you're enough. See, some insecurities can paralyze you, but pride will destroy you. Uh, it's a promise. Pride comes before a great fall. And, and, and anytime you catch yourself thinking, I got this by myself. I can do this by myself. I don't need anybody's help. I don't need God's help. You're doomed to fail. So you could focus on the grasshoppers, you could focus on yourself, your inadequacies, your pride, whatever it might be, or you could focus on the giants. Some people like to focus on the giants. We like to, we like to keep our eyes on the obstacles that are in front of us, the giants that are standing in front of us. But listen, God created us to do hard things. Some of y'all, some of y'all men in here never had a father that told you this. You were made to do hard things. God created us to do hard things, and, and that means that we will consistently face some type of obstacle in our paths. And if you're not, if you're not facing some type of obstacle, I would worry that you aren't actually pursuing all of the things that you should be pursuing. Somebody told me one time, if you're walking down the railroad tracks and you never encounter the devil, you might be walking the same direction. Anything of value is going to be a fight. So listen, don't worry when you face opposition. Worry when you don't face opposition. You could focus on the grasshoppers. You could focus on the giants. Or you could focus on the grapes. You could focus on the faithfulness of God. And this is really the only healthy perspective that you can take when you're approaching life, when you're looking towards your future. The, the healthiest way to look to the future 
is to remember God's faithfulness in the past. And so look back on your life. Take an account right now. Look back on your life. God hasn't failed you yet. You know how I know? Because you're sitting here today. You're still here. God hasn't failed you yet and he doesn't plan to start today. So when you face your future, keep your gaze on the grapes. Keep your gaze on the grapes. How are you framing your focus today? Because how you frame your focus is gonna be how you frame your future. When you're presented with adversity, are you, are you focusing on the obstacle in front of you? Are you focusing on the inadequacy within you? Or are you focusing on the faithfulness of God that has been proven to you time and time again? You gotta make the decision today. If you're sitting in here, you gotta make the decision today. You gotta pre-decide what I like to say. You gotta pre-decide before you ever get to the situation that's gonna cause you the stress. You know what? When I get there, I'm gonna focus on God's faithfulness. I'm gonna start today. I'm gonna pre-decide today to focus on God's faithfulness so when I get in this situation, I've already trained my brain to do it. So as I wrap up today, I got a few minutes left. I wanna, I wanna give you three necessities for a fruitful future. You guys get that grapes, fruitful future? No, okay. <laughs> I know, it's dumb. Listen, I'm just saying, I don't have any kids yet, but imagine the power of my jokes when I do have kids. <laughs> three necessities for a fruitful future. Number one, you gotta have a clear vision. You gotta have a clear vision. And, and I say it like this, that, that clear vision will give your life the constraint that gives it meaning. You're like, but that sounds bad. No, listen, Texas, uh, a big football state, right? How about TCU, somebody? <laughs> listen, uh, I don't usually root against, I don't have too many teams that I root against, okay? But, but like, um, I'm just glad that Alabama's not in the mix. If you're an Alabama fan, so sorry. And Ohio State, don't like them, don't like them. Anyway, Texas, yeah, I got some claps. Some of y'all are out. Some of y'all, somebody just walked out, Ohio State fan, right there. <laughs> but here's what I mean. Could you imagine a football field with no markings, no end zone, no sidelines, no yard lines? Would there ever be a successful football game played on that field? Absolutely not. Because it doesn't have the constraint. It doesn't have the constraints to let the team know that they're progressing toward the goal of scoring. You gotta have that. And the same goes with a life without a defined vision. If you don't know your purpose, if you don't know your calling, if you don't know the way that your life is headed, you're missing the constraint that gives your life meaning. A life without vision is like a football field without markings. You can never win because you have absolutely no idea which way to run and you have no idea which way is out of bounds. See, a, a clear vision is gonna keep your focus on 10 and two. It'll help you stay focused. It's gonna let you know what the things that you can say yes to, but it's also gonna do the hard work of defining the things to say no to. You know, the, the most successful people that I know in my life say no a lot more than they say yes because they're focused. Listen to me, here's a myth. You're not supposed to be a well-rounded human. That's a myth. You're supposed to be a focused human, an intentional human. God has given you a gift. And he, listen, some of y'all, 
Bless your heart. Some of y'all, your mama's told you can sing, but your gift ain't up on the stage. You don't need to be well-rounded. You need to be focused, okay? Sorry, sorry, y'all. I didn't hear anybody sing. I heard beautiful, I heard Ken behind me, beautiful. The voice of an angel is what I heard, but... The people that are most successful have a clear vision and they, and they say no a lot more than they say yes. Because listen, not every opportunity is a good opportunity and not every good opportunity is a God opportunity. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 actually says that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So there are some good things that are too good to be true. And there's some, there's some situations that you're getting presented with, some choices that, that have fallen in your lap that they're, I'm telling you, they're too good to be true. But without a defined vision, you'll never know it. Because your vision is gonna constrain that. You're gonna keep your eyes on the 10 and two. And you're gonna know, if I, if I chase after this, if I chase after this job or that job, if I, if I move across the, the, the country to, to take this job, I'm pulling my life out of my purpose. I'm pulling my life out of, out of bounds. And you cost yourself energy. All the, all the soldiers in the room should understand this one. When you're in basic training and they put you on that land nav course, worst, worst time ever, you quickly learn the importance of one degree off. If you're walking 10 feet, one degree, nothing. But if you're going any significant amount of distance, you could be off by a half mile from your target. Just one degree. One degree, and that's the importance of a clear vision, is that one degree in your life. That one degree, that one good opportunity that comes your way, if you haven't defined your target, could put you totally off course of your calling and your purpose in life. Number two, something you need as you're facing or or going toward a fruitful future, you need an unhindered soul. You need an unhindered soul. You need to be able to run with nothing holding you down. You need to be able to, to go with nothing holding you back. When I speak about your soul, I'm talking about your mind, your will, your emotions, the, the, the things, the ability to think, the ability to choose, the ability to feel. In order to move forward, you need to make sure that your soul, your heart, the Bible uses those interchangeably, is unhindered. You can't be hindered. So many things will compete for your soul's attention in today's culture. And the majority of those things, all they're gonna do is cloud your heart and they're gonna weigh you down. Jesus said it this way. He said, he said, uh, he said broad is the way of, to destruction, but narrow is the way to life and few find it. And that's sad to me. Broad is the way to the destruction though. There's so many things in, in life. In other words, most things will lead you down a path that ends with your soul becoming burdened, becoming weighed down by life and it's gonna end in destruction. But the only ones that truly find the life that Jesus promises them are those that are able to guard their heart against the things that can harm it. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart, so guard it. Everything you do flows from your soul. If that's the case, it means you need to protect it. You have to be mindful of, of, of what you're let, letting influence your soul. What are, you, what are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you allowing to speak into your life? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? 
Can I, I'm just speak, I'm gonna stay here for a second. If we, if we frame our lives on God and found our lives on God and the principles of the Bible and the Bible is our ultimate authority, then why are the wor- in the world are we trying to take our guidance from someone who's live, not living life God's way? Why, why, why would we do it? I'm not gonna take financial advice. Listen, I'm not gonna take financial advice from anybody that doesn't tithe first. Okay, listen, I'm an advocate of it. I, I, I just, God's never let me down. I've been tithing for over a decade now and I can't turn back. You say, I don't have enough to tithe. You don't, you don't have enough to not tithe, okay? The, maybe the reason you don't have enough is because you don't, oh, I'm gonna leave it, I'm gonna leave it. I'm not gonna take relationship advice from someone who's sleeping around on their spouse. That'd be silly. I'm getting a little worked up, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna plan my future based on a news network that profits by selling chaos and calamity. That's just not the way we're gonna do things. You're setting yourself up for failure because what you put in is gonna be what comes out. And and listen, current culture and the enemy of your soul, what they're gonna do is they're gonna try to sell you bondage and pass it off as freedom. But freedom's defined in the narrow way. Freedom is defined and and you could you could attempt to to you could attempt to live your own way but God's God's way is the only true way to freedom. And listen to me. I'm going to I'm going to debunk a lie for you. If you're in here and you're like, "Man, who is this who is this guy?" I'm going to debunk a myth for you. God doesn't give us standards of living and morality as a trap for obe- to, to, to lock us into obedience. That's not God's desire for you at all. Like, like God doesn't give us this Bible to live by because he wants to trap us into obedience, which is what the world will try to tell you. They'll try to sell you that lie. No, God gives us these standards of living and morality to protect our hearts. Because if we live God's way, we're not gonna become wounded. If we're living God's way, we're not gonna become hurt. We're gonna be weighed down by the baggage. And then finally, Number three, number three, third thing you need for a fruitful future, you gotta have an unfailing God. You gotta have an unfailing God. And some of y'all are like, well, you, you got all these things in your life that are taking his place. They're, they're, they're sitting on the throne that only he belongs on. You gotta have an unfailing God to move forward to a fruitful future. See, you could attempt to build your own life on your career. You could attempt to build your life on your own fame. You could attempt to build your own future on your talents or even your work ethic. You're like, if I work hard enough, my life's gonna succeed. You could even try to build your future on your family. But unless Jesus is at the center of your future, interwoven into every aspect of your life, your plans are gonna end up crumbling. Your plans are gonna end up crumbling. Your life is gonna fall short of what it could be. Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. These are the words of Jesus. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. See, in life, you're gonna encounter trouble. You're gonna endure hardship. You're gonna come face to face with obstacles. That's a promise. And the only way that you're gonna make it through consistently is if you've built your life on the immovable, unshakable foundation that this life has to offer. And an unshakable foundation is not found in more money. It's not found in a better spouse. It's not found in a better career or a bigger dream. The only unshakable foundation is found in the way of Jesus. Here's a promise I can make you. If you build your life around your relationship with God, if you make him your priority, if this year you choose, I'm gonna go all in and I'm gonna sell out everything else. I'm going all in and I'm making God my priority. I'm gonna do the things that he's asking me to do and I'm gonna do them right now and immediately. I can make you this promise that no matter what obstacle you face, it doesn't matter how insecure you feel, it doesn't matter what obstacles are in front of you, God will make sure that you win. If you live your life focused on God's faithfulness, then it won't matter if you see the grasshopper, the inadequacies of your, yourself. It won't matter if you see the giants, the, the obstacles that are in your way. What they're gonna do is they're gonna work for you now and they're gonna direct your attention back to a faithful God. I can't do this on my own, so I need you, Jesus. I can't do this on my, no, my own, so I need your presence. And you know what, it's the desperate ones. It's the ones that are desperate for the presence of God that he's gonna, he's gonna cause you to, to win. He's gonna cause you to succeed as you walk into your future. Let me pray for you, church. Father, I just thank you, Lord. I just thank you for your word. I thank you that it has power to change our lives, to change our hearts. These are the only words that we can read that have the power to change us from the inside out. And so today, I pray that you change us. Help us to reframe our perspective. Help us to no longer focus on the giants in front of us or the grasshoppers within us. Lord, let us focus on the grapes. Let us focus on your faithfulness that works in our lives even when we're not working. Thank you, God, that your faithfulness remains even when we're unfaithful. God, I pray for those with a hard year in front of them Lord, I pray that your strength would be the cornerstone of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. There are some people in here, I'm, I'm talking about this firm foundation, and, and you know today's your day to make this decision, to let Jesus be the strength of your life. Maybe you're like me. I was an atheist until I was 16 years old. And it took one person sharing with me the message of hope like I'd never heard it before and everything changed. And God has hope for your future. Even if you don't know him, it's a free gift. Romans chapter 10 verse nine says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, you'll be saved. And there's hope for you yet. You're one heartfelt, sincere prayer away from everything changing. And so maybe this morning you need to start a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you've quit. 
You gave it up and this morning you're, you thought, I'm gonna give it another try and, you're, and you need to restart your relationship with Jesus. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray for you and I'm not gonna ask you to stand up. I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front. I'm not gonna embarrass you in any way. Just while you're seated there, I just wanna know who I'm praying for. The Bible says that if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you in front of my Father. And so I just want you, if that's you and you're ready to start or restart your relationship with Jesus, go ahead and slip your hand up and put it right back down. Slip your hand up. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Any more? Just slip it up real quick. Put it right back down. All right, church, we're gonna, we're gonna pray together and build the faith of those people that are sitting next to us. As we pray this, say, Jesus, thank you for coming, for living a perfect life that I could never live. Thank you for being the strength that I can never possess on my own. From today forward, I choose to follow you. Let nothing hold me back. I'm running at you with everything I've got. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.